You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, please visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algott. And on this podcast, we attempt to crack the code of the entertainment industry one interview at a time. And uh, to that end, we bring on all kinds of different people from the entertainment industry. And we have a bit of a barn burner for you today. Yes, we've got Bonnie Gillespie on the podcast again for part two of the interview. A couple episodes ago, I guess we had had some technical difficulties and we lost the part two that we had recorded with her. So this is uh, us picking up a few months later and uh, this interview is so good that we refuse to cut any of it. So this episode is going to be 90% interview, 10% us talking. Right, and right. we're already 5% through us talking. So, <laughs> yeah, so we got we to gotta pick it up. we gotta, we got to speed through this. Yeah. So uh, if you submitted questions back in, geez, February or March mm-hmm. for Bonnie, um, I saved them because I, I really wanted to get those answered. And so I asked, we asked them of Bonnie in this episode. So we've got that. And uh, we're so excited to have those. And in addition to that, we've gotten some other questions recently on both uh, the IAP Twitter account and also our individual Twitter accounts um, that we thought Bonnie would be better at asking, or Bonnie would be better at answering rather uh, than we would. So we ask her those questions. Yeah. So it's a lot of you guys on this podcast, which we're we're really happy about. Um, and uh, so listen up for, for your question. If you submitted a, a voicemail, though, or a question that we didn't think would um, be appropriate for Bonnie, uh, we're going to answer those in, in, in the next uh, couple of episodes, 25, 26. So stay tuned for that. So should we just roll into this interview? Yeah, let's do it, man. Um, so enjoy part two with uh, casting director Bonnie Gillespie. All right, guys, welcome back, and uh, we are so happy to be sitting here once again with casting director Bonnie Gillespie, who was uh, gracious enough to give us another interview after the sort of debacle that back in March. Is that a good one? Faux pas? It's another good word. Um, and so thank you so much for being here with us, Bonnie. Absolutely. My pleasure. So uh, Trevor and I have been talking about this, and, and we really wanted to get you know, we had a lot of listener questions that were sent in to us for that particular episode, and we really wanted to kind of get to those. So um, I'd like to spend a lot of time just kind of going over that. And then also, um, as uh, some of our listeners know, there's been this whole, you know, uproar with uh, casting director workshops recently, and we'd love Indeed. to kind of get your perspective on that. I know you just wrote an article about that. So um, let's just dive right in. Dive right, yeah, Do you yeah, have any um, questions that you... I have the ones from... Yeah, the, the previous episode. So, okay, great. So, um, <clears throat> we have one here from um, uh, our longtime listener, Stephanie Oberhansley, whose name has now changed to Evelyn Ober, right? Obert, she changed I think, Obert, right? Evelyn Obert, right? And uh, she said, um, What can an actor do to stand out at an audition without going overboard? 
Oh, that's a great question because you have first have to trust that you were invited in because you're already a good match for the role because we wouldn't we wouldn't bring you in if we didn't think you had a shot at it at all. So a lot of the the pressure to stand out may come from let me make sure that they know I'm right for it. Take that one off. That that one's already done. Check. Um, because we know you're right for it or assume you're right for it based on your headshot or we wouldn't have called you in. Uh, I would say being on time, being prepared, being professional, you know, making committed choices, um, having fun with it, all that good stuff. Being directable. If we if we give you some notes, be ready to take them. Don't be so locked into your choices that you can't riff if we need you to. Um, but honestly, it's it's so about being right for the role and then walking in the room and being able to act and, you know, giving us what we hoped you would when we called you in. So really outside of that, you know, be cool. What's the Will Wheaton axiom? Don't be a dick. You know, because so, <laughs> you know, if, if you are a good person and you're professional and you're having fun and you do good work and then you're right for it, yay. And if you're not right for it, still yay if you did all the other stuff right because being right for the role, you can't control that. What you control is being good, being a good person. And then when we know, okay, you're talented and this is what you bring into the room when you come in, next time we'll bring you in better matched if that role didn't line up specifically. Now, when you say somebody is uh, trying too hard to, or or trying hard to say, hey, look, I matched this role that Mm -hmm. you brought me in for knowing that I matched this role, (laughs) are you saying like people going overboard with like, costuming themselves or is there they other things that you're talking can, about you know theatrically people don't do costumes as much as they may commercially because there are some commercial people who like uh, costuming or at least uh, the suggestion and so i don't probably see as much of it as as commercial casting directors might but certainly there are folks who will come in and if it's a waitress role they've got an apron or if it's you know a cop they may like have a little badge i'm like you really don't need to do that pardon me, because you you have to trust that we have those things already in place, uh, that there's been a crew hired to take care of all that. All we actually need you to be able to do is come in and show us the work because the acting is the only element that we don't have. We can cover everything else. So we just need you to come in and show us that. Now, if it helps inform your performance by suggesting the character, you know, pen behind the ear or, you know, you're wearing something that's a little more buttoned up uh, because the character would call for it, then that's fine. If that helps your acting, if that helps you get into that place, I just don't think you need to, you know, wear sleeve tattoos. I've seen people like, like oh, I'm coming in for a gang member, so let me put on these uh, these sleeves, these actual physical sleeves really? that have tattoos painted on them, but the, otherwise they look flesh-colored. They're ridiculous. And I've seen it. <laughs> you know, it's like, God, no, seriously, if you're not the guy wow. who's tattooed like that, you don't need to wow. put that on. Yeah. Uh, it, so it's it, it, there is that just that feeling of trying too hard. It's kind of like, you know, dating. You can tell when someone's like, I really want this to work. And, they, you know, they're just kind of leaning into it a little too much and you're like oh, it's all right man. that's a great analogy that's a great an- i have never heard <laughs> that. because that makes perfect sense to me we've all we've all been around people whether they're interested in us or not or whether it's a you friend or something it. we're just like Ooh, wow that's just too much yeah. <laughs> and, and a little bit goes a long way it's like just be pleasant have fun do good work you know the rest yeah. takes care it takes yeah. care of itself well, we've had so many guests talking about how they want you to be relaxed in the room too and it's like and that's when you do your best work and of course if someone can't, if someone's sitting across a dinner table with you and they can't be relaxed, it's like you're not, you're not going to want to continue. It's like date number two is probably not going to happen, i.e., yeah. a callback. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you made yeah. us uncomfortable at the pre-read, the first date, the blind date, yeah, why, why do we want to invite ourselves to more of that? No, thank yeah. you. <laughs> then that that actually sparks a follow-up question for me because I've heard both sides of the fence on this, and 
it has to do with commercial headshots. Okay. There are a lot of uh, people that, you know, if you're a cop type, get the cop outfit, you know, mm-hmm. wear the glasses, put on the fake, mo- like, you know, like all sorts of crazy stuff. And I've always been like, really? Do we need to go that far? And I've heard half people say, yes, absolutely. We need to see as much of you in that role as possible. And the other half says, no, we can use our imagination. And, and I'm on the, the second side of that, that I, okay. can, I can use my imagination. But I think that comes from being on the theatrical side of things because I do have friends who work in commercial casting. I have friends who do a lot of extras booking and things like that, and they want to see it. Because a lot of times you, you booked it because you own the tux, you know, because right, they knew right. they weren't going to have to try and come up with something that fit you on the day. So sometimes, sure, I, I can see where that happens. But for me, I'm working on a project for sometimes nine months. Like, we got plenty of time to, to get your wardrobe, you know. Right. It's it's more for me, your headshot needs to be on brand, in type, and, you know, it needs to look like you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there, there was a girl who said, uh, someone told her she needs to get some sexy headshots taken. And I said, girl, you idle at sexy. You do not need to go get sexy headshots. You just are sexy. So you're going to show up, and the camera's going to go, and there's going to be sexy. If you try, we're going to see try, not sexy. Hmm. So, you know, you bring your primary type with you no matter what. You can't leave that out of the picture. So you don't really have to try. So I think the same goes for costuming, for me anyway. Yeah. It really comes back to having a balanced life. Oh, it all you know does. I mean, like, if, if yeah. you're the kind of person that's always, like, pushing things, then it's it's going to come across. But if you're the kind of person in life, whether you're actor or not, that could just be chill and relax and let things be, yeah. that's... The more the more I'm in this kind of career, because I'm, I'm learning, it's it's the most important thing to just be a balanced person. It is so why the whole first part of self-management for actors is about the mindset. Because if you mm-hmm. don't get that, it doesn't matter how your resume is formatted. It doesn't matter how great your headshots are. It doesn't matter how awesome your reel is. Like, none of that stuff matters if you're not a good person and balanced, professional, and able to leave it on the floor at the end of the day. Because sometimes you're going to be the best and still not get it. Yeah. And you have to find strategies for not taking that personally. Mm-hmm. And so I think that does come down to being balanced. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. So uh, speaking of not taking things personally, one of the... <clears throat> One of the other questions that we had for you uh, before was from our listener, uh, Stan McDonald, who said, um, you know, he has good news and he has bad news, uh, that he's been getting uh, called back a lot, but no bookings. And he said, uh, can you articulate the difference between a good audition and a great audition? And two, uh, should I be doing anything differently at the callbacks as compared to the original audition? Um, and just how should the actor approach the callback in general? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say there's three things I want to tackle on that, and the first one is not one of the two things that he singled out. The first one is there is no bad news on that. You know, Yeah, I know you're like, ah, I want the booking, so it's bad news because it's good news for all the callbacks, bad news for not getting the booking. Dude, you're all over the bullseye. If, if, you, if it's down to you and one other guy and it keeps being down to you and one other guy, eventually you're going to be that other guy. You can't see it as... Oh, it's bad news because you're getting invited into the room that many more times. You're getting in, you're getting close, and you have to know eventually yours is going to be the dart that knocks his out. And you can't focus instead on, you know, how many times you're having to throw to get that chance. Like, you have to be okay with the pursuit because you're going to be pursuing more than you're actually going to be acting anyway. So I, my first piece of advice would be say, that's all good news. Yeah, I know. you got to shake it off. I have a friend who says, I allow myself 24 hours to be in the worst mood of my life when I don't book. And he went in on something. I saw him just last week, and he said, 
I'm in the middle of one of those 24. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm so sorry. He goes, yeah, I'm quitting. I go, okay. He goes, he goes well, talk to me at 10 o'clock tomorrow. I'll be fine. <laughs> but as of this moment, I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm packing up the U-Haul. I'm moving back to Ohio or wherever. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, but I'm allowed to be that brat for those 24 hours because I do need to express that emotion. But then I get my head around it and I go, hey, you know what? I'm getting invited into better rooms. I'm getting edged out by bigger and bigger players. That means I'm getting up there and that's the whole point and there's so much stamina required so now let's get to the two things the one was he wanted to know what he could do differently in the callback if he should should. unless you've been given a note don't change a thing for the callback because you have to assume that what got you that callback was having done so much right at the Mm -hmm. pre-read it baffles me I'll see actors who do a great pre-read we don't give them any adjustments we say great come on back in they come in for callbacks and between the time we saw them for pre-reads and callbacks they decided to work with a coach and I'm like, nothing was wrong. You know, no offense to your coach, but oh my God, no, you, you did it right the first time. So if you already got all signals that you're doing it right, just come in and do it again. Obviously be ready to take adjustments. Be ready if we give you direction to, to fly with that. But if we didn't give you any notes and you just got a call back being told, do the exact same thing. That's what you do. Because we assume you're showing us what we're going to get on set. So don't monkey with it. And then what was the the first question? Uh, just had? like, uh, can you articulate the difference between a good audition and a great audition? Um, the the great ones, we feel like we're watching the person who's already been booked. They're they're relaxed. <clears throat> they they know they've already got the paycheck. You know, there's just this. I, I think the best example of this came from a film I was casting. One of my first features back in early 2004. It's probably third or fourth feature I was working on. We uh, had already hired the lead actor, and so we brought him to callbacks on some of the supporting roles, so that we could do chemistry checks. And he would, so he just sat up there all day and played with all the actors that we were bringing to callbacks. And it was so nice to watch the actors who would get up there with him and play with him, because then it was like, oh, we're watching the guys who are going to be on set together. And then when you watched the person get up and play with him and kind of be nervous. And, and not bring that A-game and not bring that confidence, uh, it was very obvious you're watching someone who's trying. And it's, it goes, it's professional sports. You, know? you don't want to watch someone trying to sink the basket. You want to watch someone who's so sure they're going to, they don't even have to watch it go in. But you know it's because they visualized it going in 3,000 times that they have the confidence. And they're watching that. They're visualizing. They know exactly how it feels, how it sounds, how it smells, everything. The actor who comes in like that, it's a pleasure to watch that person. So then even if they're not the ones who book, they did a great audition. And we're going to remember that for next time. Mm. So many analogies, Barney. I'm like, filled yeah, yeah. with we analogies. Have to, we have to come up with the analogy bomb. <laughs> we have knowledge bombs. We have analogy bombs. Awesome. Yeah. I, got, I got thousands um, of them. So uh, we got uh, a, a tweet back in uh, when we did your interview um, from your friend, Marcy Liroff. Yes. Um, who said, if the audition scene calls for a kiss... Do you do that if you're matched up with another actor? I think this depends on on when it's taking place. If it's the pre-read, absolutely not. Uh, if it's the callback and you are down to it's the two of you and maybe three other actors for each role, they may be doing some chemistry check and they need to you know see if there's some heat there. So I think it really does depend on a lot of factors that you can get the questions 
answered on before you walk into the room. Um, certainly when I've been putting actors in a position where they need to do anything physical, whether that's uh, sexual or violent or, or anything that might cross a line in any direction for a pre-read, I always have them working with a reader and I always make sure that they know there are boundaries and limits and know it's just, you could suggest it without actually go- going there. But when you're at the callback level or when you're working with the actor who is in the role, you're, you're expecting there's some chem- chemistry chat going on. And we are going to need to actually see how that looking, how that's sounding. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. so, uh, but I, I think by then, if you're at that level with a callback, you really are about to go in for that role. You can have that conversation ahead of time so that you're not being put into a position where there's a surprise because that's we don't that doesn't help anybody. You know, we don't want anybody to be surprised by what they're about to experience. Right. right, right. <laughs> so we got uh, a question into our Twitter account, actually, from uh, an actor named uh, Zach. And I'm Zach, I'm going to mess up your name, even you, though you left us a voicemail. Um, Estaquio? Estaquio, maybe? Estaquio? Estaquio? Uh, yeah, anyway, we're really sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, we do this every episode. Awesome. <laughs> we, yeah, every single episode we have somebody new who submits a question. Well, at least or, it's somebody voicemail. new. It's not the same poor guy every time. He keeps butchering, <laughs> yeah, keep butchering his name over <laughs> and over true. and over and over again. Um, I, I, I'm really excited. I think I might actually pose this to a couple of our, our guests in the next couple of episodes because um, Trevor and I have talked about the idea of networking on the podcast many times, and I'm doing networking with air quotes, everyone. You can't see me. Um and, uh, you know, <laughs> Trevor had this great quote one time where he was like, no one wants to be networked with. Like, you're building relationships yeah. with these people. It's like, who, you know, no one wants to be, it's like, oh, here, let's network. He, Trevor got a card from somebody one time, and it was like, let's network. And it's like, yeah. what, what does that mean? I felt so <clears throat> plastic. Yeah. I was like, why, what am I, yeah. why? Why, yeah. why should I care about taking, like, you haven't made any connection with me. Right. And now I don't want to connect with you, because <laughs> all you want to do is, like, network. Hope that I can so, give you something. So, so the question from Zach is, when networking with CDs, meaning casting directors, mm-hmm. when ne- networking, networking with casting directors, directors, etc., what's the right way to go about it without making it seem like you're sucking up to them or kissing ass? It, mm. it, the first part is that you just have to know that if you're the right actor for the right role at the right time, you are helping us by solving a huge problem. And I think one of the biggest issues that we face in networking is that actors feel it's all one-sided. It's all, I got to get in front of these casting directors. I got to get in front of these agents. I got to get in front of these managers because they have something I need. They have access to roles. They have, uh, they have relationships that they can get me in on. They can get me in rooms. Uh, need, 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 need. As and, Bruce Smith said. Yeah. yeah so the, the actors <clears throat> sort of feel like a throb, you know, like a needy toothache. Like, it, give me my analogies. They, but they do, <laughs> they kind of, they have that that throbbing need feeling because they are so focused on what these folks can do for them rather than pulling back a little bit and looking at, well, Hey, I'm an awesome actor. I'm a great type. They probably don't have a lot of me, or even if they do, they don't have anyone as talented as I am and as professional as I am. So let me just get on their radar. And it's not about being cocky. It's about being professional and being aware that you really are the reason any of us makes a living here. So why not get on our radar? Why not uh, want to be someone that is in our minds when we need a problem answered that you are the solution for? I mean, I, I think it, it's it, it's because actors have this 
and it's the numbers make it this way. Uh, just have this attitude of I need so much and you guys have access to this stuff that I need. And instead, if you look at it much longer term and say, it's all about building relationships, I'm going to be doing this for the next 80 years. And so the goal is to meet as many of these folks as possible who I will be working with at some point over the next several decades. And then it becomes a a lower pressure situation because it's not about, I need to get in front of this person because she's casting something right now that I want to be in. Instead, it's in general, I like her eye. I like the way she casts. I like the project she casts. She needs to know my work because I bet there's going to be a time where those things line up. And then it's true. And then that sort of takes away the ickiness to it. But again, it goes back to that whole first date neediness thing. If you're leaning in too much, it doesn't feel good to anybody. And so that's why sometimes the, oh, here, let me get you my business card, feels like you're being sold to. Mm-hmm. you know. And if instead it's, uh, well, oh, it was great connecting with you, then you'll find they are the ones who say, well, let me get your card or who reps you? How can I keep up with you? And that, to me, should be a much more empowering feeling. It should be something that is a goal of an actor to have casting people or agents or managers ask you, how do I find you? And if you're, if you're a cool person, that's going to happen. And you just go places where you can build those relationships. But look at it as building relationships rather than networking, because networking sort of has icky connotations. Yeah. yeah. And my manager says something that I really like all the time, which is, it's not... It's not quite as important that you know them as they know you. Right. Um, And you're accomplishing that by tweeting, by putting together your podcast, by your Facebook profile. I mean, you know, people really don't, they don't have any idea how much we're keeping up with what you guys are doing online or out there. You know, people are like, oh, these pictures tagged of me being so drunk. And it's like, think about that. (laughs) You know, there, there are buyers out there who are seeing those photos and you could be the quickest untagger in the West. It doesn't mean it's going to be not seen by anyone, Uh, you know, because the internet's forever. Uh, but it's, it's just, you know, be smart about it and know that you are building relationships and, and know that you are getting on the radar of the buyer's, Always. And it's just a matter of how are you getting on the radar in the good way or the not so good way. Yeah. Yeah. That brings up a neat dynamic. It almost, you almost, you said buyers, which made me think of actors as somebody with a product to sell and these people buying the product. So it's like if you, if you're running a company, you know, let's say you run FedEx, you're not going to have on your FedEx Facebook page pictures of your employees <laughs> like drunk and partying True. the weekends, you know? You know like- the, the difference is that per, the personality is a big part of it with actors. We do, we, we want dynamic people, we want charismatic people, and charismatic, dynamic people who are good looking are going to bump into some controversy sometimes. It's just, you know, the law of alcohol. It just happens. But uh, I think it's it's really important for you to have a professional face, yes, but also uh, be held accountable for what it is that you do in your life, you know, so that mm-hmm. I, I've always said there's nothing I've put out on the internet that I wouldn't want on the front page of the LA Times. And that includes in private emails, mm-hmm. you know, and so I'm always very careful about choosing my words because I know there's nothing I send anywhere that I can guarantee isn't going to get out there. Mm-hmm. And so if you live your life like that, hopefully you're making better choices, but at least even when you're making the sloppier choices, you're making ones that you're like, yep. That's where I was at that time, and you're accountable for it. And people like that because that, there's an authenticity to that, and I think people want to deal with real people. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder how much of that goes on, and by that I mean uh, casting directors or agents or 
directors or whatever checking out people's uh, you know Facebook and MySpace profiles and stuff because there was <clears throat> it was interesting when the whole social networking craze started happening. There was all these uh, news like stories on the news. Like, you know, Dateline and, like, all these news magazine uh, television shows where people were talking about how employers were mm-hmm. actually going to – they would they would get a resume and, and, and they would just take the name and just type it into Google or type it into Facebook or MySpace and actually look up their profile. Yeah. In addition to, ch- you know, ch- actually checking out the resume. And I'm, I'm wondering how much that, of that goes on in the actual entertainment industry. I'm going to say it goes on – Specifically, if you're up for a series regular role where they're looking at spending millions of dollars on you by the time it's done, um, if you're going to be working at Disney, if you're going to be on a show for Nickelodeon, I mean, where there are some ABC family level issues to consider. Mm. But if you're the type who's only ever going to be on a show like The Shield and so you're gritty FX, you know. Don't worry about it because there's probably nothing that you're doing in your authentic life that's going to get you talked out of a job on Disney because you probably weren't up for a job on Disney anyway. So it, that's where it comes down to knowing your type, knowing your brand, knowing your audience, knowing your buyers, to go back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Even before Facebook, uh, I was casting for a, uh, a, a this particular director friend that I've now worked with on seven projects, and she we were looking at someone as the series lead on a, a web series, and this was years ago, so early web series. And she knew that this was going to be the person that she was hoping people would invite into their homes, into their laptops, into their handheld devices, uh, not just weekly, but hopefully daily. If, if it really took off. And so we went through and she uh, took everybody who made it to callbacks and did a Google search on them. And one of the actors who was at the top of our list had a blog on which she had posted horror stories from the set on a previous project. Now, she didn't say what the project was or who the director was or who had mistreated her, but she had been treated badly. No problem. No, absolutely no lie there. But because she was so out there about her onset experience, it had a little chilling effect because it made this director I was working with a little nervous because she's like, well, I don't know that I can commit to having the, the kind of set that she wouldn't write about and anybody can do the math and figure out that it was my set she's talking about and that could keep me from getting a job on a studio project. So the risk is there, you know, take her off the list. And she was off the list. It had nothing to do with talent, had nothing to do with type, it had everything to do with her blogging. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it happens. Wow. It's so easy to forget how transparent you can be these days. Yeah. I, 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 every time I'm about to post something, I go, wait, is this on brand? Is this serving me? Is, you know, what, what is this that I'm doing here? And I, I hate to make it seem like everything's so calculated, but in a business like this, you at least need to run it through a quick check. Just a quick check. Am I am I going to be okay with this? Is there you know what are the, what's the downside to posting this? And occasionally I'll go. Oh, you know what? Maybe I'll just send that in an email to my best friend. Yeah. And, you know, because yeah. I need to vent, blow off steam, something. There's a way to do that um, in a less public way. Huh. It's so funny too because the same physical actions to send an email that's private to somebody are the same physical actions you can take to publish something to the entire world. Correct. And it's so easy to forget when you're sitting in front of your laptop or your computer that clicking that publish uh-huh. button. It's going to make you accessible, you know, to the, to the entire planet. The nature we, of the we, internet, man. It's the great, I know, the great equalizer. That's it's, right. it's one of those things where it's like you really have to stop and think, mm-hmm. what, what kind of reputation am I creating for myself here? That's right. Um, so I, I like this question because it's going to, I think it'll be a, a make for a good segue into talking about the casting director workshops. But um, we've been getting a lot of questions about um, 
classes, specifically on-camera classes, um, into our, our Twitter account. Um, one came from a uh, longtime listener, Jeff Cantor, who was basically asking about you know a specific uh, acting class, a specific on-camera class that I, I won't mention on the air because I want to hear from you, Bonnie, if you have any recommendations for on-camera uh, classes. Uh, specifically commercial, on-camera commercial classes? I don't, because commercial's not really my area, and Mm -hmm. so I always defer to people like Lori Records, or I check with my friend Fonda McMahon, who is how I met Lori, because she's a mutual friend, and she's like top commercial booker on the planet. She's on television earning money somewhere every minute of every day. Um, I check with folks like that whenever I have commercial-related questions, because I don't really know that area. How about any uh, on-camera classes in general? Um, probably my my current favorite, and he's been my favorite for a while, is uh, Doug Warhead, um, because he does a really basic on-camera class that is uh, it's good nuts and bolts stuff, and I'm like that. I'm, I'm pretty simple about my process. Back when I was an actor and when I started working with actors, uh, after I left acting behind, I'm just, I, I'm not really complex about it. It's like, here are your lines, you're already the right type or you wouldn't have gotten this role. Go get it. Let me see what you do. You know, and so to me, I don't need anything that's too complicated or too method-y or anything like that. Um, process for me is very simple. It's like, here are the lines. These lines have already been paid. Now you get paid. Do them. You know, I may be oversimplifying the process. I, I, in fact, I'm sure I am. But uh, for, for on-camera stuff, I think really for me, it's just about getting to learn what your ticks are. Learning what you do that you wouldn't be aware you do, except that you're being taped, and then you can go back and watch it and go, "Ooh, why do? I, whenever I have this kind of emotion, I do this face. Oh, don't do that, unless you're doing it intentionally. Make sure that your choices are uh, ones that you mean to make. Uh, but so, yeah, I think Doug Warhit just a, does a very simple, no nonsense class, and I've uh, I've come and sat in on his class since going into casting and watched the actors work, and he does it where there's you know a couple cameras and monitors so that we can both watch what they look like on camera and what they're doing in the room. And it's, it's always good stuff as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. He's, he's been doing it for years and years. He's written a couple books. He's a good guy. Great. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks for that. We'll, we'll, sure. we'll post a link on the, on the website if it, as a website, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. I can get so, you that. Are you familiar with Jim Gleason's class? Oh, I love Jim. <laughs> is his on camera? His is on camera. I, well, I, then there I, you go. Yeah, Slam I, dunk. He's amazing. I audited it like uh, maybe four or five months ago and it was one of the, it was probably the best class I've ever audited. He's one of the most phenomenal instructors, bar none. He's a phenomenal actor, period. I yeah. absolutely adore him. I've cast him before. He's just an amazing person. I didn't know his was an on-camera, and I haven't mm-hmm. witnessed his class. And usually for me to recommend a class, I would want to have sat in on it and see how it goes and see sure. how they treat the students because there, there's a lot there. But um, absolutely, I would recommend anything Jim Gleason is doing. He's cool. He's fantastic. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that class was above and beyond everything else. A lot of fun. And I didn't even participate. Awesome. I just sat in on it. And it was just a blast to sit on it. I'm not surprised to hear that. He's such yeah. a good person. And that goes cool. back to what we talked about at the top of the interview. Just, yeah. the, you know, be a good person. Be balanced. And people want to spend time with you. And they want to hire you. Throw money at you. Yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. good things. I want to find somebody who throws money at me. <laughs> um, okay, great. So, uh, speaking of classes, here we go. All right. Uh, let's... Broach, breach. What's the word I'm looking for? The subject of these uh, these CD workshops, the casting director cool. workshops. So there has been a you know uproar in the acting community in the casting director community uh, surrounding these workshops. And I thought, who better to kind of 
give our listeners who have been asking for this sure. a little a, a bit of history on what's been going on and maybe some context as well. And I know you just finished writing an article about it. Yeah. Um, so who better than, than you, Bonnie? So Well, first, first and foremost, I want to say, everybody calm down. Workshops are not being shut down. Workshops <laughs> are not being made illegal because the, the primary argument that I'm hearing from the pro-workshop people is you're trying to shut us down. No, they're trying to regulate you. Um, they're, they're trying to, this is a multi, multi, multi million dollar industry. Like I, I, I w- could probably even do some math and get to a billion if I wanted to. It, it is a ridiculous amount of money we're talking about that some of these workshop facilities are flowing through them. And it is important for any company that it's their job to take money from anyone and provide them a service to be bonded, to be licensed, to, you know, actually operate as a business. And there are a lot of backroom casting director workshop facilities that have, you know, not even a business license. And so it's, it's good to have some regulation because it's doing things like requiring they put up a bond. And if they put up a bond with the state, it then allows for some recourse if the owner should skip town. And the one that I, that I heard about during doing the research for this piece was a, a workshop facility owner who left town owing $20 million in promised goods and services to the actors who had invested. $20 million? I was shocked. I, I was shocked at that number. I was like, let me be sure I'm getting that right. You don't mean $2 million, You don't mean $200,000. $20 million. So, so these that actors guy, paid for workshops and then he didn't deliver them? Correct. So he just kept postponing them or yep. something like that. Yep. Or doing things like saying, well, we're going to bring in an assistant instead of the full CD that you oh, paid for. And I this can, one would actually be yeah. worth less, but we'll credit you so you'll have money on account for a future workshop. It's a, a very think, standard model. I could think of about three that I, that I know... That, that did that. Like I just yeah. got random. We get random emails every mm-hmm. other week from some new casting director workshop, right. and they would always pull that stuff. Right. It's a so. it's a model, and that's one of the things that uh, the folks who created the law really wanted to make specific. They're like, we we don't want to outlaw workshops. We want to identify certain behaviors as bad, and then create regulations that mean when people are doing those bad behaviors, they can be shut down by the state. And and I think that's okay um, because it raises the bar for the type of workshops that are out there. If the ones that are out there are the ones that, I mean, considering they're clearing tens of thousands of dollars a week in workshops, they can put up the bond. It's, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. So put up the bond then you're working within the guidelines that that right there puts you legal on on so many levels the other part that people are getting upset about is the CSA the Casting Society of America has come up with a list of guidelines that are not a part of the law but are inspired by the law let's say that include things like you can't exchange headshots and actors are oh they're so mad about that and of course to me that's awesome cuz i just spent the first six months of 2010, purging 10,000 headshots, thanks to my awesome interns, getting all of that information put into my web-based wiki database so that I no longer take notes on actors on a resume. I want to look at it and then I have no problem giving it back because I'm going to put all my notes, I'm kicking it iPad style, I'm putting all my notes in the (laughs) wiki. 
And more and more casting directors I'm talking to are doing this. You know, of course, commercially, when when's the last time that you actually had to hand in a, a hard copy headshot and resume at a commercial audition? You scan your barcode. Yeah. So we're going that way anyway. So to eliminate the exchange of the headshot and resume, it, it's fine by me. But everybody needs to understand that's not even in the law. If you read the law, you'll see that's not in there. That's in the CSA guidelines. So if you do go to a workshop where they happen to allow the casting directors to take the headshots and resumes. No one's breaking the law. You don't need to get upset. They're just breaking the CSA guidelines. That's hmm. that's the way it stands right now. Interesting. So there are guidelines right now, but there's not a law. Well, there is a law, but, but the law doesn't affect your bringing your headshot and resume to the workshop. Okay. Yeah, the law affects things like the way they advertise it, what they promise that they're going to do, uh-huh. uh, and that they're bonded. Wow. Yeah. So that the big part of my article was let's get really clear on what has and hasn't happened because people are and I'm like that's listen all anybody actually wants is access yeah you know and everybody's we want workshops no you want access so maybe if we can come up with better ways for people to get access so that the top actors are getting access to the top people and it's not just you know so and so's phone answerer who's been there for two weeks who got subbed in somewhere and then there's 20 actors there who really don't they're not ready for their first co-star at all Rather than taking money from those folks, let's have this be a situation where the top actors who absolutely are ready and maybe don't have the access through an agent or a manager or the credits or the real yet uh, can get in front of folks Mm -hmm. who actually are in the market for them and and their talent. Because then it becomes the issue that we talked about before of you're helping us solve a problem. I'm all for workshops like that. You bet. When I was an actor, I did workshops. I spent thousands of dollars doing workshops. And I'm sure I would have been the poster child for workshops if I had actually booked Either of the things I went on producers for. So I, did, I got to producers on two projects specifically because of workshops, top uh-huh. network shows. You bet. They work. But that, and that's the other part that I think is, is hard for me is when everyone's like, no, they're educational. No, they're not. Come on. Yes, you may learn. Don't wear perfume. Don't shake my hand. Don't borrow my stapler. But how many times can you learn that? You know, it's, it's, it's not educational. It's, it's demystifying. So yes, you Mm -hmm. get in there, you learn what works in this office and what doesn't, where that, you know, do they want you to sit or stand? Do they, you know, where's your mark is, you know, are you going to work with a reader? Are you going to be paired? You do learn about what their office is like, but you can learn that by reading interviews, by watching, you know, DVD behind the scenes features. By listening to Inside Acting Absolutely. <laughs> I was waiting for you. So true. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's so funny because that, that is kind of the whole point of this. That's why we started this podcast right. was there, the, there whole, are, the whole demystification angle. You know, There are arguments all over the place regarding this casting thing. And I've seen specifically... It was like an explosion. It was like an explosion. I've specifically on David on, Lawrence's website, I've seen they're educational. No, they're not. They're job interviews. And like it's like either way, you're, either kind, way. Of, you're yeah. kind of in trouble. You know? But, but, so, yeah. the, but the, the weird part is that the explosion started now. The law has been in place... Since January 1st, that's when it became a law, and the bill was in development for 11 months before that. And there have been news articles, there have been announcements through the unions. And so when uh, when I talked to one of my sources on this piece, she was like, where were all these people who are complaining about it back when we were up in Sacramento? Like, there were no actors, there were no workshop owners, and it, these were open sessions where people could come in and have their voices heard. And it was all public record. And she, it, it, I liked her, her quote about it specifically, and I'm going to get it a little bit wrong, but it was something along the lines of business 101. You're a business owner. You pay attention to the things that are going on that affect your business practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Yeah. What do you know? Do you have any insight into why the explosion did happen now? Because like all of a sudden it was just all over Twitter and Facebook, and people were publishing. Well, I think it's like creating entire websites just to, uh, to address this particular I issue. I think it's because like only like a month or two ago um, did the actual casting services themselves put out an email to their their members telling them how they were changing their policies so they didn't get shut down or, or right whatever. yeah like, like so i got one from gogo acting and actors key in the same day yeah the ones that got compliant wanted you to know we're getting compliant or the ones who were putting that in process or saying you know hey we may have to go up on our fees because we just had to do this bond i mean whatever so i think they started getting word out that way for sure but also uh letters did go out to the members of csa saying if you're doing workshops, CSA members, you have to use these guidelines, and those were the, the optional guidelines that I talked to you about before um, that are you know not affiliated with the law, just inspired by. Uh, and then I believe letters also went out from the uh, deputy city attorney's office to some of the biggest workshop whores, let's say, the ones who I saw that. I saw that letter. I saw those Saying, that letter. hey, you yeah. know, get in compliance because mm-hmm. there are fines involved if you're not because you are breaking a law, you know. And so it's – I think those things started getting on the radar and then folks started going, oh, wow, this is more serious than the guidelines that they put out in 2002 because the guidelines they put out in 2002 were things like here's your – uh, disclaimer. Yeah, you have to say this is not a job interview. You right. no guarantee. Yeah, there's no guarantee. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's yeah. always that disclaimer right before they start the class. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been to a casting director right. shop, you, you know that. Um, wow, that's yeah. great. I have well, actually a quick question before we leave this topic. Um, in your estimation, in your experience, especially as an actor, I mean, you said you went to producers twice directly mm-hmm. as a result of workshops. Mm-hmm. How important is it to have an agent if you can go to these workshops and get access to these people? Well, okay, let's uh, let me let me back off that just a moment because one of the the things I am probably the biggest proponent of uh, is self-producing and actors creating their own content, which is all about cutting out the middleman. Yeah. That's about cutting out my job. We're all about that too. Oh, I, <laughs> not cutting yeah. out your job. No, 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 <laughs> but, no, 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 no. It's, my job yeah, no. evolves. I'm not. I'm never worried. Don't don't worry. People who have lots of irons in the fire are always working. I'm not worried. Yeah. But the uh, the but I like the idea of cutting out the middleman in that. The more you can get on the radar of the buyers, and the ultimate buyers are the producers, the showrunners, the writers. I mean, the people that you would not even think you should be targeting, using your air quotes there. Um, (laughs) Those are the folks that if you can create a fan base producing your own work, you're more likely to get booked than if you get on my radar. Because in the end, I get hired by, let's say, a director for a feature film or producers on a, a web series or whatever. They give me a list of names and they say, these people are getting in. I don't have to know you Wow! in order to do my job. My job includes bringing in all the people that I know and think are right and these people that the producers told me I have to bring in. So bypass me, bypass an agent. It then because then it's not about. And I know, oh my god, I'm so going to get in trouble for saying that. <laughs> Let me back that up and say I love agents and managers. I could not do my job without them. The relationships I've built with them over the decades have been just phenomenal, and I absolutely adore these folks. And that said, there are absolutely ways that actors can get work without any of us. Yeah, that's kind of what I was was after because I I've, yeah. I've been to a few of these workshops where I've met people who have been like I'm not represented mm-hmm. but I've been doing these workshops for a couple of years and I've been able to work so you don't need an agent it doesn't right. have to be an obstacle in your career it's nice it's great to have one and it definitely you want that person on your team but you you'll need them yeah you because they'll yeah. negotiate deals and and absolutely take your t- your career to the next tier that, that what what those people in your life do are help you tier jump mm-hmm. when you're at the tier where you haven't even booked your first network co-star 
you know, maybe they could get you into a room, but maybe a workshop could get you into the room. Um, maybe networking with people could get you into the room. Maybe a viral video could get you into the room. Maybe an awesome podcast could get you into the room. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really important to understand that it's not just one thing you do. It's all the things you do. And I think that's part of the thing that got so skewed with the workshops is people started fun- funneling all of their money into doing workshops. And then it's just throwing spaghetti at the wall. They're just like, I get in front of everybody. And it's like, no, be smart about it. Target the shows. Make sure they consistently cast actors of your type. Make sure they consistently cast actors of your vibe. Like if you're not, if you're not built for Disney, don't do a casting director workshop in front of someone who works at Disney. It's not going to help you. And it's, it's just a waste. So, but if instead you do a lot of research and you know that you're right for it, you know that they consistently cast your type and your vibe, and it's just a matter of them knowing you exist, make sure they know you exist. Does it have to be through workshops? Absolutely not. That's a great way, but it's not the only way. Mm-hmm. Cool. We, I'm, I'm so glad we had that conversation. <laughs> I'm serious because we've had so many people call in and ask that exact question. How many times have you and I, I'm talking to Trevor, uh, how many times have you and I, uh, sat here and answered the question of like how necessary is an agent or or should I have an agent before I move to LA or should I get an agent the first should that be the first thing I do when I get to LA There's, or like you know what I mean like that same sort of uh, theme there, of question yeah and, and like you said Bonnie I mean having an agent is helping you tear jump I think is yeah. a great way to put it but so many actors seem to think that's step one if I don't have an agent I am paralyzed in my right. career and it's like that's just not true I mean that's that's what you need to get from point A to point W. Absolutely. <laughs> but from A to B, you know, and B to C and D to, you know, all that stuff, it's it's the power's in your hands. It goes back to the whole long-term approach of your career. And if you really do take a look at it as something you're going to be doing for decades and decades, and these are relationships that will crisscross many, many, many times over and we'll all be working together forever. Okay. Then you don't look at my first agenda when I get to LA is get an agent. Instead, it's learn about the agents learn who it is that can take my career to the level I want it to go to because the kind of agent you could sign with before you move to LA is probably not the one that's going to have much leverage for you when you get here anyway. Right. You know, just thinking about what types of questions people ask on Hollywood happy hour. I'm about to move to LA. Such and such agency just put out a call saying they're looking for new clients through, you know, now casting or LA casting, whichever one puts out the, talent blast, things like that. And what do you think? And and then hundreds of people come in and go, search the archives, search the archives. You're not going to want to be with them. You know, and it's, Mm -hmm. there's research you can do definitely. But I think more importantly, it's a a paradigm shift of knowing there's value in momentum. There's value in the long term, And you want to do research on the type of people you want to do business with for life rather than, you know, taking it and going, I need the first agent I can get. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Cool. So we have just a few minutes left. Let's cool. talk about somebody's basement. Ooh, I love yeah, somebody's we wanna, basement. Um, talk about your stuff. This is, all, this is all part of the interview beforehand, but yeah, uh, yeah. it's launched since we... Somebody's uh, basement has launched, yes. Uh, we are. Uh, we launched in May, and we are very, very excited because we've got um, five categories. So you can have uh, original characters, uh, interviews, journals, reviews, and the music video category, which I love, which is a new one because we didn't anticipate that. And then people started submitting music videos and I was like, Oh cool. We can do that. Sure. Um, and then we have a, a premiere category, which is the overlay. And so anything that's in one of those five categories can also be considered a premiere if it hasn't screened elsewhere. 
And the cool thing is we've now been approached by film festivals and groups that want to have us pick for them our premiere video of the month or our premiere video of the quarter or later our premiere video of the year and give them special status in their film festival or their web-based oh, festival. That's so cool. That's yeah, awesome. so it's like there's this little bonus incentive for having been, you know, premiered with us. I mean, you know, it's got the fully embeddable player. You can put it on the Facebook. You can put it in the Twitter. Put it on your blog. You know, do all the things that you could do at YouTube. The difference being you retain more of your rights than you do when you put something up at YouTube. And that's we wanted a more producer-friendly environment. Also a place where your awesome video isn't competing with Hamster on a Piano or <laughs> Skateboarding Bulldog. <laughs> right, right. No offense. I love those vids, but it's really hard to cut through the noise when there's so much stuff on one site. And so what we have is just one usually two to five minute video a day on weekdays that launches and that's the the featured vid that's what you could get through our entire catalog right now in under two hours if you wanted to sit and watch everything we've ever posted Uh and it's it's a lot of fun because it's a bunch of actors going out and producing their own content which is of course what i want to celebrate because i think actors have a lot more power than they realize and this is one of the ways that they realize it by doing things like what you guys do and, and, you know, and just, and being willing to say, you know what, we have an idea. Let's not just sit on that idea. Let's actually turn it into something and something we can share. I think it's really the new, I think the new actor (laughs) sounds like a bad tagline. The new actor of, of, of this age is also a writer and producer. Yeah. Everybody's a hyphenate. You have to, you have to have, you have to be a triple threat. Absolutely. If you're just one, it's like, if you're just an actor, it's just, you're, you're, you're cutting your leg off. That's right. It's um, really true because if yeah. you've got instead something to tell you, this one actor, I absolutely adore her. A year ago, she was stuck and I don't know what to do and I need an agent and I need my SAG card, blah, blah, blah. I said, self-produce. Lit a fire under her. She came up to me a month ago at a festival for self-produced work where her stuff was being featured and she had tears in her eyes. It was so adorable. And she said, I'm so mad at you. You you completely destroyed my life because all I do now is self-produce. It's all I do is write new episodes. All I do is shoot and figure out where to shoot and come up with my show Bible. And I'm so busy doing all of this that I can't focus on the fact that I still don't have an agent and I still don't hear her. <laughs> she said, but the difference is when I get meetings with those people and I'm starting to, they ask me, what are you working on? And instead of me saying, I went to this really great class or, you know, I just did a mass mailing or I was in a play. She's like, I can talk about my web series that's getting this many hits and get this many reviews and that's been, you know, been talked about on tube filter and all the cool things that are going on uh, because I learned I'm a producer, not just an actor. There's power in that. I love that. Cool. So if people want to check out Somebody's Basement, it is... Somebody'sBasement.com. That's yes. it. Yeah. Excellent. So go there. Check Thank that out. Thank you. Um, and other other places to find out about your stuff? Uh, I know you have the Cricket Feet. Yeah. Cricketfeet.com is probably the, the, the place to hit all the other stuff that I've got going on. I'm launching a, a new business with a fellow casting director and a marketing expert here in the next couple months that I can't really talk about just yet, but it's going to be pretty awesome. All right, Steve Jobs. We'll have you back for, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you back for part three pretty soon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> part three interview, right. interview with Bonnie Gillespie, part three. It's going to be this ongoing interview for the next two years. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so, so there's uh, two questions that we always ask at the end of the interview that it probably didn't make it into the other one because it was the first half of the mm-hmm. interview. Um, and uh, one is, um, uh, do you feel like you chose this business or this business chose you? Hmm. Gosh, it's got to be that this business chose me because I don't ever remember a minute when I like 
didn't know this is what I was going to do. Not not this as in cast and write and produce and, you know, encourage self-producing actors to create their own content. Not, not the this, this. But when I think back to my earliest memories, everything was always about creating and putting on shows and and selling tickets to the shows I actually because mine wasn't just line up the rows of seats in the living room and make the family come watch it was make the family pay to come on watch. <laughs> my, uh, that's amazing oh, yeah I was a producer you were producing from the pretty beginning. early yeah, yeah and I don't know how I knew that but yeah yeah so I, I think that was if there if there is you know a karmic path that certainly was something that was was of my choosing before I was even walking I'm almost positive yeah <laughs> And if you had to boil down um, your experiences into one sort of nugget of advice for actors, what what would that nugget be? Have fun. Don't suck. That's it. That's that it. is beautiful. That's the new break night, a leg everybody. as far as I'm concerned. It's like break a leg. I never really liked that one. Have Did you fun. say this is the new break a leg? It is. That's so funny because that's fun. what my dad says don't instead suck. of break a leg. Is what? He says, have fun, don't suck. He got really? it for me. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God. He's been saying that since I was in like high school. <gasps> like I got before, it from him. Before I go, but like before I go, before I go on, you know, I would go, you know, I did plays in high school and stuff and he'd be like, hey, don't suck. <laughs> that's what he, t- that was his break a leg to me. That, it's mine too. Because it's like, that's, that's really in the end. That's all we want. We want to see people who are having fun and we want you not to suck. So go that's your brilliant. dad. That's awesome. <laughs> go your that's dad. awesome. Dad, this podcast is for you. Yay. Um, Great. Thank you so much, Bonnie, for yeah. coming and, and doing a, a, another pleasure. interview. I'm sure we'll have you back on the show again later on. Um, From our palatial estate in the Palisades. Oh, yeah. With yes. mojitos. <laughs> and by ours, I mean ours together. We'll be neighbors. <laughs> I love this. Yes. Cool. Definitely. Welcome back. Hope you dug that interview with Bonnie. It's just, I mean, it's one thing after just, another, man. Just like knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb. I like analogy bomb, though. That's yeah. We yeah. got to add that into the uh, the vocab and all the uh, analogies she had, man. It was yeah, crazy. So, um, we hope you guys got as much out of that as we did. We know we we certainly had a blast talking to her, and um, we have an idea for the next uh, couple episodes. Well, I guess we have an idea for a couple episodes from now. From now, right? Yes. Um, and what we want to do is because we've, we've gotten a lot of questions about uh, funky day jobs that people have kept, and we've we've dedicated some talk to that on the podcast. So we'd love to hear what kind of weird day jobs you guys have had. Um, we've talked a little bit about ours, but um, if you call our voicemail two one three two actors and let us know, or or send us an email and just let us know kind of what kind of weird stuff you've done, or what kind of little things you figured out to work around this crazy actor habit acting habit that we all have Mm -hmm. um let us know and we'll we'll dedicate like a whole chunk of an episode to just some of these crazy things that that people have been doing we got a we got a voice one of the voicemails that we got that um we're tabling for later uh was this someone someone just called in and and um i believe it was daniel pierce called in and said uh you know this is a crazy thing that i've done to to make money or or i've heard of other people doing it to make money and i thought you know what we've gotten so many questions about this that i would love for our community to kind of come together and everyone just submit like this is the crazy job that I did to kind of keep to kind of make ends meet. And who knows, maybe we might inspire each other to like, you know, um, come up with ways of, of supporting yeah. ourselves while we're, you know, pursuing, uh, this, this business. So, yeah. um, 
you guys know how to get in touch with us. We would we would love it if you drop us a voicemail, uh, 213 two actors with a, a recording of your crazy job. Please uh, keep it under two minutes. Um, yeah. So because we want to have a lot of people's voices on the, on the podcast. So um, you know, practice before you call if you have to. Um, <laughs> and you can also. Uh, you can also email us. You can send us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want, if you have a microphone hooked up to your laptop or you just want to use your computer um, somehow to record an MP3 or some kind of you talking, you can email that to us as well and we'll we'll play it as well. We want it since we want to do this relatively soon um, and we know actors are busy people and I, I for one just don't do well unless there's a deadline on things. We're going to set a deadline for this uh, July 4th. So um, if you can get us your emails and voicemails and MP3s with your job stuff uh, before July 4th, that'd be great. I just realized uh, the semi-poetry of that. Why? Well, all these actors uh, talking about their, their how they are financially independent. On Independence Day. On Independence Day. Booyah. So your deadline for submitting how you are financially independent to us is Independence Day. <laughs> Independence Day, July 4th. <clears throat> and if you just want to uh, chat, if you're just lonely, you want to uh, ask a question, <laughs> uh, please follow our new Twitter account, uh, twitter.com slash insideacting. Or you can follow us personally. Uh, I'm twitter.com slash Trevor Alga. And I'm twitter.com slash digital actor. You can leave a comment on our website at InsideActingPodcast.com. You can fan us on Facebook or, or like us on Facebook, yeah. as it were, now that they've changed that. <laughs> right. Give us a little like on Facebook. Um, for what, And whatever you do, uh, do not be afraid to go over to iTunes, search for Inside Acting, and leave us a five-star glowing review. <laughs> that certainly helps us. <clears throat> yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, we'd love to build up our reviews there um, and maybe become a featured podcast at That'd some be point. amazing. So, yeah. yeah, get on there. Uh, leave us a review. And, of course... Last but not least. Last but certainly not least... Um, Head on over to InsideActingPodcast.com and uh, send us a, uh, over a little uh, a little uh, donation, if you could. Um, yeah. It's uh, 100% secure. It's all done through PayPal, and uh, it, uh, it it can be written off as an education uh, expense for uh, or as a donation, actually, too, um, yeah. for you actors out there. So um, we would absolutely love it. Um, a lot of what we've been able to do on this podcast has been because of those donations. We've got some new equipment from when equipment you know broke down on us and also you know um it, it's not free to host the files and um host the website and and do all of that so we would love 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 your help and thank you so much to those of you who have um already helped us out yeah we've had a lot of really generous people and we couldn't have done it without you so thank you very much thank you for episode 24 that does it yeah yeah cool so for 24 inside acting my name is trevor Algott and i'm aj meyer we'll catch you guys next week 